Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 120 with our guest, Donnie Zoldan. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Well, 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 welcome back. So good to have you joining us today. We are smack dab in the middle, as they say, of our ongoing series from our day at Podcast Row. Now, this episode is amazing for a lot of reasons. First of all, my guest is Donnie Zoldan, who is, you know, he's not only the owner of Stand Up New York, which is the location of where Podcast Row events take place, but he is the creator of the event. And also the reason that this episode was so special, I got to record it in person with Donnie at Stand Up New York. 25 years ago, I moved to New York City to pursue my acting and film career, spent 15 amazing years in the Big Apple doing just that. And part of my journey included many stage performances with my comedy partner at the time. I was part of a comedy duo and we would just look for stage time, right? We wanted to practice our craft and get in front of an audience and the stand-up scene we seemed to fit right in with. So, we did the open mics, and we got invited to the new comic nights and did performances at all the comedy clubs, including, back in the 90s, Stand Up New York. So it's been great to have this relationship now with Donnie and the team at Stand Up New York these days and the team at Podcast Row, and to be able to be back in that location where I performed 25 years ago. So naturally, that's pretty cool. I always say that I love the Big Apple. I love New York City, my absolute favorite city. You know, I live in the Great Garden State. I live in Jersey these days. But I take any excuse to run into the city and experience that energy. For me, there's nothing quite like it. Here's how, I'll give you the quick version of how I got involved in Podcast Row to begin with. If you don't know, Podcast Row is a one-day, all-day event with several podcast hosts 
and several business owner entrepreneurs. And throughout the day, the hosts one-on-one get to record episodes uh, with each entrepreneur. So you have a schedule. I was one of the hosts and you have a schedule, let's say nine o'clock, you're going to be interviewing so-and-so entrepreneur. So for the next half hour, you sit down with that person in a studio and you're recording a podcast episode with that entrepreneur while simultaneously six or eight other shows are being recorded with hosts and other entrepreneurs. And then every hour you sort of just rotate. It's just a fascinating experience. Six months ago now, I was minding my own business, scrolling through Facebook, and I saw an ad for what was their very first upcoming Podcast Row event. Now, this was no more than 10 days away, a week and a half away. I saw their ad for the announcement of Podcast Row, looking for entrepreneurs and business owners to be a part of it. But I wanted to be part of it from the other side. So I happen to already know and have had a relationship with Donnie's brother. So I reached out to him And I said, hey, I see what your brother's doing, who I've never had a conversation with at that point. I didn't know Donnie. He didn't know me, but I knew his brother. And I said, I see, I just saw online what your brother's doing. I would love to be a part of this from the host point of view. I'd love to just get involved any way I can. And he said, okay, I'll put you in touch. And he made the brief email introduction. So I responded and I sent a a small quick follow-up to Donnie, basically saying, hey, I see what you're doing. I love this whole concept. I would love to be involved any way possible. And I knew it was 10 days away, so I really didn't know what could have been possible because I didn't know where they were in the process. But I said, simply put, I said, you know what? I would love to just be in the room. And that was true. If I couldn't get a spot as a host, which I could have understood a week and a half out, I just was willing to do anything that would have allowed me to be in in that environment, in the space. I wanted a front row seat to that because I just loved this whole concept. He said, hey, let's talk. We hopped on a phone call and in 20 or 30 minutes, We just compared notes. We got to know each other a little bit. And he said, okay, so uh, ideally, what do you see yourself doing? What would you like to be doing with this event? I said, if it's not too late, ideally, I would love to be a host. Uh, So he said, okay, let um, let me look at some things in our schedule and see what's what, and I'll get back to you in a few days. Then uh, a few days later, certainly he got back and said, all right, there's a spot we can have you in as host. We'll see you next week. And that was it. And I just celebrated that win for so many reasons. So it was uh, it, it was an incredible experience. I wrote about it on social. Uh, I was then part of their their second podcast row event. And now... I'm just continuing to build on that opportunity, continuing to be part of their their ecosystem, 
their events and their world. And I, I couldn't be happier to have even had this opportunity to, to sit down with Donnie. I know you're going to love it. I adore Donnie. I adore everything that he's about. And I know you are going to adore my interview with Donnie Zoldan. Thank you very much for joining us. Happy to have you tuning in today. I am peculiarly, 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 if that's the word, excited about this episode for a number of reasons. Particularly. Wh- say it again? Particular, particularly. I think that's a better word. Particularly. Yes. Yeah, not peculiar. No, I don't think that's the word. Lurly. Peculiarly. wrong, but mm. I think particularly. It could be. How about very? Would be more we, can, appropriate. we can go very. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my guest right here, right in front of me, face to face. I love one on one, face to face interviews whenever the moment allows. And thank you for allowing this moment. It is Donnie Zoldan. That's right. Right here. You pronounced it correctly. First of all, thank you for uh, this interview that will be and for the invite to the space. We're here in Stand Up New York. I love it. Of course, thank you for being here yeah. on this beautiful Friday. It is, is absolutely. It Technically, probably not. Probably not. Yeah, it's pretty, if it's still summer, that's pretty crazy. Oh, I know. What is it, September 13th? Yeah, Friday the 13th, we are oh. recording this. And I we are sitting here in the bar, at the corner of the bar in, like I said, Stand Up New York, which has so much significance for me, which I'll share uh, but first of all, I currently... And it's noon, and we're on our fourth vodka tonic. <laughs> the, I, I love coming into New York City. I know you live here. I, I take every chance I get to come into the city. Um, I adore it. I spent 15 years living here, uh, so it has a, a great uh, place in my heart. But also... Where in the city did you live? I started one block north of here, 79th in Amsterdam, which oh, wow. I think now is the, the, the re-renovated. I mean, I was here 20, 25 the years Hotel? ago. Correct. Okay. I was here 25 years ago uh, when I was going to... Was that an apartment building before... It yeah, was the Lucerne Hotel. Well, it was technically the Lucerne Hotel, but it was your, you know, classic white walls, chipped paint, run down mm-hmm. looking building. I was brought to New York City because I don't know how I was accepted to a musical theater conservatory on 74th, mm-hmm. the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Part of I my story. You. Well, hey, That's we'll, amazing. we'll have to turn the tables. I, I understand you have a show. What's my show? Dark Horse. Yeah. No? I mean, it's not like a musical theater show. I'm not going to perform on your show. It's just a podcast. But if there's... Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, so I was brought to the city and at 19. So mm-hmm. this was 25 who years brought, ago. Who brought you? Well, I know. I, I use that word. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, the, like someone um, put the, you in a suitcase and brought The New Jersey here. Transit brought yeah. me here. No, from, from New Jersey. I got accepted to the the academy, thinking that I'm going to pursue musical theater. Mm-hmm. Quickly found out I'm um, I'm not good out of um, two of the three: acting, singing, and dancing. Who said that? 
uh, me and my teachers. You didn't think you were good. Well, I did my best. I was okay. young, but um, my dance teacher told me I'd make a better tree okay. and that I'm a hazard to the class. Okay. So I quickly learned what the deal was. But How long did you go through that program? That's a two-year program. Okay. And um, I... You feel like your dreams were dashed? Um, well, as an actor... Are you tearing right now? <laughs> <laughs> I think as a performer... Is this the best beginning to any podcast that you yeah. had? <laughs> we started with the English language. We're going to cut this all out. No, this You're is... edit this out. This is it. This is, this is what it's about. <laughs> um, so I, I, I feel like as an actor, and perhaps you could relate, you know, surrounding yourself with comics all the time and performers, don't we feel like our dreams are dashed daily and we just have to keep ourselves picked up? I mean, I feel like that as an entrepreneur... Tell me. Um, that, that, that's I haven't done stand-up, but I'm, right. I'm sure comics uh, feel that even more. Um, yeah, I feel like comics are a little different than entrepreneurs. Um, in a way, I, 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 comics could take rejection, I think, a lot more personally than an entrepreneur. When you're, not, when you're in business, like, I don't think you should take anything personally. Like, you're always just trying to work on your business and grow it and do better but comic it's like they came up with material for example and people in the audience could heckle them and say like that's not funny you know or leave to make like a nasty comment on facebook you know like you're a terrible comic you know like i don't really get comments on like my facebook of people saying like you're such a bad businessman (laughs) You know, I'm glad we connected comics with entrepreneurship because I I see that connection quite clearly. And I think that comics are, in fact, the epitome of or the quintessential entrepreneur in so many ways. And I know James Altucher speaks of this often, that getting up on stage as a comedian is um, highly recommended because as it relates to business and entrepreneurship, there are so many things you can learn. But the the comic who is pursuing this as a career, I see them as the entrepreneur who has mastered or should master so many skills, including rejection and not taking things personally right and 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 just con- yeah constantly getting rejected and just getting back up and continuing course correct they were doing yeah. uh, and going back on stage like the next night you know yeah. um yeah that doesn't really happen like when you're a doctor like you i don't think you fail as much and <laughs> you know there's there's a lot less margin for failure when you're like you're a lawyer or a doctor you're right. an accountant, you know, like a doctor doesn't like mess up and be like, I just got to do surgery again tomorrow, you know, and I'll do better. But there's I something like to be said about the comic who, let's say, nightly goes yeah. on stage to either try new material or perfect current material and get instant mm-hmm. feedback yep. on their performance. Shouldn't that be the position that the good entrepreneur puts themselves in? as often as possible totally. let me get this out to the audience to to my audience to my client base to my customer base to get feedback and then course correct totally yep the other reason that um i so so we started this conversation with 
my, my journey here to New York 25 years ago. And uh, the reason that being here at Stand Up New York is so significant is also because I spent 15 years in the city pursuing an acting and film career with an emphasis on comedy. And with that, at the musical theater conservatory that we spoke about, while I wasn't good at, uh, you know, Broadway wasn't my ultimate place, but like any good thing in life, you put yourself in the position for opportunity and you find it. And one of my classmates became a comedy partner of mine. Mm -hmm. We realized that, you know what, singing and dancing might not be our thing, but we are cracking each other up mm -hmm. and we're at parties and just laughing and seeing the world in a very similar way. And we were like, I think there's something here. Mm -hmm. So we took that um, on the road for seven years and we became a, uh, a working comedy team. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're here in New York trying to get our, trying to find an audience. Mm -hmm. So what did we do? We went to all the comedy clubs mm -hmm. and we went to the open mics and stand up New York 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. I was on that stage as often as possible. And we would do the open mics. Mm -hmm. We would be invited to the uh, new comic showcases and whatnot. So it's, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's a very, it's, it, it's a very interesting feeling to be here right now. And when I first walked in here, mm -hmm. 12 noon, Friday the 13th on a, you know, it feels like a fall day in New York City. All the elements are lining up. This is the first time I've been here. It's eerily empty, mm -hmm. which is amazing feeling. There's nothing going. There's there's nobody here. I'm so. I mean, I've been here 11 years. I'm so used to. You know, I, I come here first thing in the morning, yeah. so I'm used to seeing it empty. But then I'm used to seeing it full at night. Um, but yeah, I can imagine how different it must feel because you're usually here oh. in the evening and there's a lot of people energy right yeah talk to me about the energy of this place first of all if you're listening what we haven't hit you over the head with maybe if you read the description uh you're the owner of the space right since 2008 correct yeah yes talk to me about the energy of this space because you know when this place is thriving there's there's an energy here yeah yeah, I mean it's it's awesome, um, and and it never ends. I mean, almost every day something different happens here, um, which I love. I love the excitement. I love the I love the energy. Just this past Saturday night, um, we had Jack Whitehall. He's he's a he's a very well known British comedian. Um, he he did two shows here Saturday night, and sold out. He's got a huge. Uh, Huge following in the UK. Sold out two shows, like, right when they went on sale. Um, and I came here with my wife. Just, my wife's a big fan. Um, and Tracy Morgan was here in the bar. So in the showroom where we have 120 people, Jack Whitehall is doing his thing. Um, 120 people in the room. And then Tracy Morgan's at the bar, like, entertaining just fans who are hanging out near him. Um, that's, like, a perfect example of just the excitement and energy that we have here um it's 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 just awesome i mean i love that idea and then, and then like yeah. after, after, sorry to cut you off but like no, after that night i get just a huge high you know like i go home and i'm like looking at pictures from the night and you know think thing you know jack was awesome and like tracy you know was like entertaining everyone in the bar um 
And then like the next night, something else will happen. You know, something just, just as awesome. So it's not like, you know, one exciting thing happens every like six months. It's like constant here. Yeah. Being open every night, being in New York City. Um, constant excitement. Yeah, now... It's sort of it, like it yeah. moves so fast where it's hard to uh, digest it, you know, and sink in and reflect. Yeah, I, I, see, I see all kinds of connections where the entrepreneur who is not in this space, uh, figuratively and literally, um, there is, I, I bet you we can all relate to that we like that high. We like the the unknown variable. Unpre- yeah. You know, unpredictable. Yeah. Totally. Now, I what's mean, fascinating is you you bought like as yeah. as like five minutes ago. I just got a text from yeah. Faison Love's manager. Uh, he was in forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, of course. Um, and he wants to know if he can go on tonight and tomorrow night. You know, so it's just like every day, just like something awesome happens. It's wow. Really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. You, you strike me as the quintessential entrepreneur. Also, like I said, comics are. But what's so intriguing about you? Yes, you have close to a half a dozen businesses, uh, all spawned now from the base of the ownership yep. of Stand Up New York. Right. What What strikes me is that you are not a comic. You've never done stand-up. You've never done stand-up. Do you consider yourself funny? Um, Max. Max is the engineer. I think, yeah, I think Donnie's funny. Yeah, I think Max would vouch for me. I think I'm funny in certain situations with certain people, people that I feel comfortable with. Yeah. I could be really funny. Like Max, I feel really close with Max, my engineer. He's like a son to me. Um, I, 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 feel like being myself and funny around Max. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just the way I feel around people. Some people yeah. I don't, you know, want to be funny with or go into conversation with. I'm just weird. You, <laughs> I'm not like consistent with like everyone. Would you say that? Because some, some people have told me that I'm really cold and like aloof and like it's very obvious like when I don't want to talk to someone. You know, like I look very like turned off <laughs> yeah you bought this club in 2008 yeah it was it was uh opened in the 80s 86 yeah carrie hoffman 1886 that was the first time i ever said that actually <laughs> yeah i'm gonna start telling people that and it's all about timing isn't it it was it was opened in 86 86 yeah five years after yeah. i was born oh wow so you you took this over, which I, I I've heard that it was it was not in its prime when no. when it was for sale. No. But but you were able to. I mean, it's thriving. Is that is that accurate? Is that safe to say? I think it appears that way. Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> um, how in two thousand eight were you able to? feel confident that, okay, it's not something that I can just take over and ride and coast with, but you, 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 not coming from the comedy world, you had confidence to say, I can, I can get this. Yes. But it it came from a place of being naive 
uh, I was 27 years old and I didn't realize what kind of work had to go into it in order to make the club better. Like, I didn't really think about it. I, I heard it was for sale. Um, I used to come here when I was in high school to see um, one of my best friends perform. So when we were 17 years old, I used to come here and, and watch him. And I was living around the corner when I heard it was for sale. And I called Gabe, like my comic friend. I'm like, dude, stand up circus for sale. We used to go here. Let's try to buy it. And it was really a decision based on it. It sounded really cool to own a comedy club. Um, and I think that's why I made the decision over like, yeah, I think this could be a great business. At 27, like, wow, you know. Yeah. Now, today, it's, like I said, it's it's not only thriving, at least from the outside perspective, you have multiple businesses that have come because of this one, mm-hmm. one core business. I see you, I've had the luxury now to be involved with a couple of the podcast row events, which are amazing. We'll talk about all that. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've had the luxury of seeing you in that space and seeing the people all around and being a part of that, it seems like there, there's an incredible ecosystem here and you are Barnum. <laughs> Speaking of Barnum, have you seen the greatest show, man? I have not. Oh my God. Max, have you? Yeah. Yeah. Is it okay if Max Please. is like yeah. the co-guest? <laughs> um, you got to see the greatest showman. I mean, you come from a musical theater. Background. That's right. Um, but Hugh Jackman was in the greatest showman. He was here a few months ago. Uh, it was it was a comic that I'm friends with called me. She's like, "Listen, Saturday night, someone's coming, but you can't tell anyone." I'm like, "Tell me who." <laughs> someone's coming to watch her, and he's, he's like, "Fred, I can't tell you. Like, you're gonna tell like Gabe or like." other people it's got to be a surprise you can't tell the press i'm like i'm not telling anyone she's like i'm thinking like first originally i thought she was gonna say like she got like a netflix special or something but she's like all right you jackman is coming to watch me perform and like just a few months earlier my daughter had a greatest showman themed birthday party in the club oh, that's great and they watch they watched it like a million times like they love the movie so i mean just for me to be able to bring my daughters here and introduce them to you, Jackman. Uh, it was incredible. Like my, my daughter was sitting in the bench in the window and then you, Jackman came in. First thing he did was sat down next to my daughters, put, put his arm around one of them and talked to her for five minutes. Like didn't like look around the room. Um, it was, it was just cool to see cause he knew how important he is, you know, in, in the little girl's life. Like he knew how big, of an impact that movie made on so many kids. Um, and it was just awesome. Mm. I just want to tell that story. I love it. Yeah. Pretty cool. Do you see yourself as a, a oh, Barnum, a, um, a puppet master, if you will, the Max. center of the ecosystem? going to call me puppet master from now on. <laughs> um, I, it's interesting. I, I guess I haven't really thought about it. Um, I guess how, I guess you can see me like that, but 
Um, There's a carnival aspect to the whole to thing, me, least or... of which we are using uh, a comedy club as the foundation for it. Yeah, also. it's very so different. Variety, it's and then you have, weird, like, right? yeah, and then you have these these incredible businesses that came of it, utilizing yeah the I mean, current. I, yeah, I think it's just it's just happened naturally. It's not like 11 years ago when I bought the club, I had a plan. Uh, all right, we're gonna stabilize the club and, and two years from now we're going to build a comedy podcast network and then we're going to try to work with brands um and, and create funny content for them with our comics um and then we're going to launch an education division teaching people how to do stand up it wasn't like that it was just first came to the club 11 years ago and then seven years ago uh john fatigate he's my partner in our podcast business came to me and he was like hey like podcasts are like getting popular you had the space right above the club. Uh, it was actually a black box theater. Um, why don't we turn it into a podcast studio? Just just start inviting comics in here and have them podcast. So, the first year, seven years ago, that's what we did. Like, we wasn't we weren't thinking about the business model. We we're just trying to get comics in here to get podcasts to get to start podcasting and using our space. And then we eventually turned it into a real business. You know, we have we have about twelve shows in our network and. You know, we sell ads. Um, we do live podcasts um, in the showroom. Um, and then three years ago, uh, me and John partnered up on another venture, Skittish Media, uh, where um, we would work, we would get comics uh, and work with brands on creating funny and engaging content. So we do like social media takeovers with comics and uh, funny Facebook ads for brands, that sort of thing. Are so you, it's just evolved yeah. over time. I know you are, you're an idea guy, right? Among other things, but you, yeah. you love the, the idea yeah. aspect of things and yeah. putting them out. What, what else are you? Are, are you, are you the sales guy? Are you the people person? Are you the marketing guy? What, what are you? Um, I think it's a good question. I've been thinking about it a lot lately. I think, Besides being like an idea machine, um, I think I'm very good at building relationships with people and like planting that seed and like bringing them in here. Um, I've experienced, I don't know, people, some people like me when I, when I first meet them, like if I like them, like we, you know, we hit it off and it helps to have the club, obviously, you know, like to be able to meet someone like a CEO or an athlete or a musician or an actor, um, and for me to be like, oh, you come, come, to, come to a show. You know, I own Stand Up New York. And like, here's my number. Like, it's cool. It's different. So I use that as like the carrot. So I really, I think I've been really good at leveraging the club to build my network. So I'm really good at um, meeting people, building the network, bringing them into the club, and then figuring out how to work with them. And there's so many ways, even, especially lately, I realized a lot of my businesses were very segmented where I'm like, all right, I just met the CEO of BarkBox. Let's, um, let's try to pitch skittish services to BarkBox. But I'm starting not to think like that anymore. I'm trying to think more like I want to build a relationship with them. I want to invite them to the club, let them come see a show, have a good time, invite their wife or friends um, uh, 
show them the podcast studios if they want to have a podcast or be a guest on a podcast we can we can help them with that if they need uh marketing services skittish can help them with that um i can give them a free laugh pass that's our annual membership uh for comedy fans so just giving them a free laugh pass hey come to as many shows as you want for free they like that if they ever want to have uh, a company happy hour here or a holiday party uh think of stand-up new york and so there's just that's the way i've been going about it lately whenever i meet someone there's like so many different ways i can add value for the person listening, please rewind that last 120 seconds and apply it to whatever your version of Stand Up New York is because what you just spelled out, Donnie, is not only brilliant and relevant but necessary to success. I mean, that really defines what any entrepreneur should be doing, mm-hmm. their version of. Yeah, um, like, like really knowing the value that you're providing um, and trying not, not to sell, you yeah. know? Like, like, like I think if you come from a place of real authenticity mm-hmm. and like really trying to help the other person and not like selling too hard, I think that yeah. goes a long way. Um, I'm still, I, I just started thinking about something you said a little bit ago was that you had, you had who was it? Jack White in the Jack Whitehall, yeah, yeah, in the in the main stage, yeah. But out here in the bar, you had Tracy Morgan, yeah. just hanging out. Yeah, he just dropped in, and he did, he, he went on stage for right. fifteen minutes also. But there's but there's something really to be said and acknowledged about what you've created, either deliberately or consciously or not, but what you have created is an environment mm-hmm. for that to happen. Tracy Morgan and anybody else who does, and I know that that's a consistent theme, top comics like to pop in here for yep. various reasons. That doesn't just happen because this, this door is here. That happens because of something you've done and continue to do, right? Yeah, it's really... And conscious, I, I should be thinking about it more. Um, I don't think about it enough where, you know, it's weird. It's kind of like I don't think about the more I try to make this club better and, and the better experience I try to provi- provide people like Tracy Morgan or like customers, the more they'll want to come back. I don't think, think about that so much. What There's a, some yeah. disconnect. I don't know why, but yeah. lately I have been thinking about that more. Um, and and I should give myself a pat on the back. Like, I think I think it's I think one of the reasons why I don't is things happen so fast here. It's hard to take a step back and think about it. So like again with Tracy Morgan, after that night I should be like, oh wow, like Tracy Morgan popped by. He had a great experience. Like we took care of him. He had a great time. Um, I think I'll come back, you know, like well done, like team, you know, I don't think about that because I think just things happen so fast because the next day something else will happen and I forget what just happened Saturday night. You also seem to have redefined, reinvented what 
a stereotypical, perhaps outdated version of a New York or not comedy club represents, right? The, I think we're trying to. I, mean, I think the not... old impression has, you know, like, yeah. like the cigarette smoke and the, the late night seediness. Yeah. Which had its space, and really, you know. I mean, I hope, yeah, I think it's a work in progress. I hope more people will notice that, that we're trying to provide a different type of experience here. Um, besides comedy shows, we do a lot of live podcasts in the club, also in the studio. We'll invite, you know, we have 20 seats in our studio. We've had musicians come in, uh, you know, six months ago, Chris Barron from The Spin Doctors. Uh, he was a guest on my podcast in the studio. And then before the show in the club, he jumped on stage with his guitar and he played like two princes, you know, <laughs> like that stuff is like really freaking cool where like I hope more people notice stuff like that. We're just trying to create a cool experience for people. Last night, yeah, I was telling you before we had I mean, I was I was thinking about it. I was on stage interviewing Lenny Dykstra and Doc Gooden from the Mets. Like, these are guys that I grew up with, and he's, like, Doc sitting right next to me on the stage. And I'm, like, looking at this dude, like, he's a legend, Mets legend. And I just realized then just how lucky I am to have this platform where I can bring in people like that, people that I look up to and admire, and they come in here. Yeah, it feels great. I always like to tie this back to the person listening. Take what you're hearing and apply it to your business. You didn't just think narrowly comedy club. You wanted to, to give thought to the impression, to the reputation of it, uh, to how it's perceived and what else could come of this. And you've really put a creative, creative pen to that. Yeah. Uh, I think with the club, uh, I think we're constantly trying to provide just a better a better experience for customers, um, and that's that's one of the reasons we created Laugh Pass, where it's like a step above like your typical comedy experience that you'd expect. You know, like most comedy clubs, there's a fifteen or twenty dollar cover charge, there's a two hundred minimum. Like they don't really put a big emphasis on cost, customer service. Um, you know, they, they try to squeeze in as many people as possible in the club. It's not comfortable. So with Laugh Pass, um, again, it's $99 a year. It's just a much better experience. What is it? Um, again, $99 a year, you get um, you get a really awesome black metal card called the Laugh Pass. Um, you created this this company? Yeah, this, this idea? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, about 15 months ago. Okay. And what you get is... Unlimited free admission for a year. To what? To 35 comedy clubs around the country. Besides free unlimited admission, uh, you also get a free ticket for your friend. And perks depend on the club. So at Stand Up New York, if you're a Laugh Pass holder, you get free, free admission. You get a free ticket for your friend. You get VIP seating. You get advanced notice when a big name comes in. So, you know, people want to feel special. And they want to feel like they're being noticed. So if Amy Schumer calls us and she's like, oh, like, can I go on the 8 o'clock, eight o'clock show tonight? We send an email notification out to our LaughPass members. Hey, only for LaughPass members, Amy Schumer will be on the 8 p.m. show. And they feel special. They come here and they get 
they get treated like a VIP and, and you know, they get to bring a friend for free. Um, they get a bottle of wine on their birthday week. Um, See, it's all about creating the experience again. Yeah. And then, I mean, we're expanding outside of just free comedy shows. Uh, we're, we're adding, we added a lot of comedy experiences. So Kevin Hart came out the new movie six months ago and the production company gave us free tickets uh, to the Kevin Hart movie and we passed it on to our Laugh Pass members. Um, like the Seinfeld walking tour. Like we have free tickets. There's a comic that we know that does uh, a tour bus. Uh, like He's a tour bus guy at Times Square so we give out free tickets. Uh, we partnered up with daytime and late night talk shows where we're giving free tickets to our members. Um, if, we, if we know a comic in our network that's doing a Comedy Central special like we'll ask them for free tickets and pass it on to our members. So oh. we're constantly trying to find uh, comedy experiences and just passing it on to our members, just adding as much value as possible. This all comes from a person, you, with no high school diploma. Is that correct? I'll go a step further. No elementary school diploma. <laughs> Tell me tell you um i mean i just wasn't i didn't care in school yeah. um like my parents you know they weren't on top of me to do my homework like when i I, did, I just i don't know i just wasn't pushed to work hard uh i was a good athlete i was popular and like i think that's what was important to me not learning i just wanted to have fun and hang out with my friends and play basketball um it came to a point i think in high school where they just gave up on me the teachers they just saw how much I didn't like care. So I would show up like 11 o'clock, you know, <laughs> and like leave when I want. <laughs> like I was just like, I, I was like no hope. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I didn't I didn't I, I didn't try. I didn't study. I didn't work hard. I didn't care. Um, and again, my main priority was just playing basketball. I did well in basketball. I won a few championships. I worked hard on the basketball part. So what happened at graduation? You you were there? You weren't so, there? So uh, high school graduation, I was there, but I didn't get a diploma. Yeah. Did they call your name in the list? Yeah. Alphabetical? Yeah, yeah. They were cool. They didn't want to like embarrass me. Okay. Like no one, I don't think I started talking about it until recently, just in the past six months. On podcasts, I started telling the story. Hmm. I don't know. I guess I was like ashamed for many years. Like... Especially at that age when you're in high school, like I don't want to tell my friends I never got a diploma because they didn't know. Like they saw me at graduation. They just assumed I got one. So you got the little rolled up piece of paper with the bow, but it was it was blank. blank. Yeah. <laughs> Not even like we'll be mailing you the real diploma. No, like I knew I wasn't getting it. So it wasn't a surprise. So you didn't, you don't have a high school diploma. No. Did, so which I'm, I'm assuming you did not go to college. So it's a good question. Um, so after high school, I, I worked for an architect and I was living downtown 18th, 18th Street and 5th and I had, a, I had a bunch of friends in NYU and I was hanging out down there. Like a lot of people thought I went there. I was hanging out down there so much. I was, <laughs> I was in the dorms. Security at the dorms like thought I like went there. Oh, that's they hysterical. Would, like, let me in. Uh, I just hung out there and I'm like, maybe I should like try to enroll. So I called NYU. And I'm like, hey, like I did terrible in high school, um, terrible SAT scores. Like, is there another way to get in? 
And the woman I spoke to was like, NYU has 13 schools. Like one of our schools, um, it doesn't matter how you did in school, you take an admissions test. And if you take, if you pass a test, you can get in. So I passed the test and I got, I was in. And I, I was there for like two years. Which school was this? It was the School of Continuing and Professional Studies. Here in the city? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And like no one, it's, it's like, it's like the subway ad, like NYU, you know, <laughs> like no one, no one knew that. <laughs> Everyone just thought NYU. So you, so you got to say, I'm going to NYU. Yeah, exactly. Are your, do your parents care at this point? Or they're like, ah, whatever. No, they don't care. Didn't you? No. No. Let's, let's go back even further <laughs> then. I, I, I want to get up to that point. Paint the picture for us. What was it like, life, growing up for you? Um, I mean, my, my parents, uh, we never went on a family vacation. Like not one family vacation. Um, we moved around a lot. We grew up in Long Island. We moved every, like, one or two years. Um, so there was not a lot of stability. Mm. Um, I had friends, it was all in the same neighborhood where we moved around, so I kept like the same friends. Do we know why? Why? You moved around so much, just even so locally. Yeah, just, just lack, just no stability. Like okay. financial reasons, just... My parents also got divorced when I was 11, and then got remarried, and then divorced each other again. Okay, so <laughs> when you were... When you were eleven, even Max, like that's nuts. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> really? When, <laughs> when you were eleven, yeah, my your parents, parents got divorced. Yeah. Um, was that a shock? Um, I'm. I don't know. I'm very like not emotional. Um, like like I remember my dad told me I was like nervous, like laughing. You know, like I I, I don't know. I didn't really care. Right. <laughs> so like we were like a close. I mean, I was close with my parents, but um, it wasn't like we did like dinner every night. Hmm. It wasn't like it didn't feel like a family unit, you know, like we didn't go on vacation. We didn't have like dinner at the table every night. So it did. I feel like it didn't make a difference. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So at 11, he has this conversation. Um, They're they're getting a divorce. They get a divorce and now they're split for how long? Uh, Like maybe two years. And you're living with. Um, hmm. who am I living with? My mom and brother and brothers. Yep. Plural. Yep. You have two siblings. I have two older brothers. You're the youngest of yep. three boys. So am I. There, there you go. go. Wow. All right, the youngest of three <laughs> boys. Uh, my mom always wanted a daughter. What about yeah. yours? Uh, I don't. I never asked her. Yeah. Well, I didn't either. <laughs> but it's part of my story. I mean, I was yeah. so actually. Actually, uh, my mom grew my hair long until I was three. So I don't know if you ever saw that picture, Max. I gotta send it to you. So my hair was like down to my like butt. So maybe she did want a daughter. Mm. I can send you that. You could post it when you release yeah. the podcast. In but the show I, notes. I was a pretty girl. I was a pretty. Yeah. Girl. Yeah. No, my hair was super long. Wow. So, so I guess she did want a daughter. Yeah. So, yeah, so it didn't. And then, yeah, when I was 13, they got back together again. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I just remember, like, my dad, like, walking in and 
Like, oh, we're family again. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, cool. so this yeah. is how it'll be. I don't know. I think, yeah, right. things don't, like, surprise me. But so. then, what happened next? Now they... Oh, yeah, then they got divorced again. How long after that? Um, Like, pretty quick. Like, within a year, probably. I don't know. Like, I'm not good with, like... Yeah, I know. Uh, you black a lot of it out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm right there. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not good with, like, yeah, Recounts or, of the story. No, no, no. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, my wife makes fun of me. A lot of gaps. In my life. <laughs> yes, I'm the exact same way. <laughs> it's wow, like, like years. I don't know, right. I don't know. Like you just know the know. the broad strokes like, of they were divorced, yeah. they came back. Yeah. It could have been how long were they divorced for the first time? It could have been three months, it could have been two years. I have no idea. Right. No idea. I need a I need to like I don't I don't really care to, but I could piece together everything if I I don't think my parents even know. Mm. Like, like they're so they're not good with that either. So if I ask my mom and dad, like, oh, how long are we divorced for? Like, I don't know. Like, why are you asking me? <laughs> right there with you. I, I relate, and it's just so fascinating because with this upbringing, no formal education whatsoever. Yet today, uh, you know, here we are, and I know that this even in this part in this part of your story, I think when you were nineteen is when the the telecom company came about. Um. So I dropped out of. The subway NYU. Oh, you did? Uh, yeah. After, after they took you in. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, yeah, I'm out. I don't know. I guess it was just like the challenge of getting in, and I did it, and then I dropped out. Interesting. Um, and I started an online music company called Eargasmic.com. What year was that? Um, it was like nine, It was like 2000. Yeah, really um, revolutionary, right? Ahead of its time, certainly, Yeah, right? before Napster. Before Napster, yeah. Before the, you mean obviously before um, the illegal version of Napster, yeah. Because then they became, yeah, yeah they tried yeah. to legitimize, yeah. But before Napster, you were doing that, yeah. But uh, again, like I wasn't, um, you know, I didn't. It was my first time starting a business, and I worked on it for four years, and it, w- it was more like a project than like a real. I didn't have like the business. Acumen. Where did you even like a real business? Where did you even find the drive or desire? Because what we've heard so far, it doesn't seem like. I mean, yeah, that was there before. Was Um, there a belief system where you're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta make some money, or I gotta get my act together, or I gotta fill my time? So my mom, after her and my dad got divorced the second time, uh, married a guy named Alex, who. Um, was an entrepreneur. He was in the restaurant business, um, and he did well. And he he really uh, influenced me. And like when I was 19 years old, I was sitting in one of his restaurants, and um, and he, sorry, um, I don't know. He just like. You know, he just we just had a talk, and he's like, "Like, what do you wanna? Like, what do you wanna do? Why don't we start a business together?" And I don't know that he just like planted the seed where like maybe I could do something like on my own, and like I just started thinking of like business ideas, so that really triggered it, just like that conversation, and I got really excited, like for the first time in my life, just coming up with ideas. And I was nineteen, and. Like I'll, I'll be up like half the night, like thinking, like thinking of the possibilities of like starting a business. 
that was the exciting cool. part for you. And I st- yeah. still see yeah. that today. Obviously, yeah. you've spoken about. Yeah, I don't think is. I've lost that feeling. Like, like when I when I think of an idea, like it's the same feeling like when I was nineteen. Was there? Because it, it seems like you you have these great handful of businesses surrounding this club. Were there times where you? I'm sure. Obviously, you've had ideas that really didn't go anywhere, but but businesses that you've started in this modern day era of yours where they, they wound up going south? No, not, not yet. Really? How is that possible? I mean, Eargasmic, the online music company, that was, I was working on that from 19 to 23. Um, I mean, that wasn't like, I mean, I didn't lose money, but, you know, that wasn't like, right. that was more like, it wasn't like a real, real business, you know, I was so young. Uh, and then when I was 24, I started a telecom company, um, and that made money. And I ran that for 12 years, and then I bought the club. Um, but no, I don't. After the music company, I think every venture that I've started, I've stuck with. Yeah. Even even when it's like not performing well, like I just don't like to quit, and I'll just keep on working at something. So I haven't shut anything down in a long time. Wow. Which might be crazy. But it's worked, obviously, in your. I mean, yeah. so I'm still in the game. So I mean, there's nothing. I don't. There's nothing that I'm working on now. There's like six different businesses that I would close. Oh yeah, in fact, you probably have a streamline of future. No, like I, I, I have so much on my plate now, and so much. Uh, there's so much to do and grow. I ca- I can't possibly. Add more. You'll just Add grow yeah, this I, I ecosystem. Could, yeah, I mean, yeah, I could spend 24 hours growing what I have now. So it would be crazy to add anything else. You, you seem like a very even-keeled. Is that, is, is that an accurate description? Are you even-keeled? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Have you ever seen me lose my temper? <laughs> no. Is that true? So you don't you, you don't true. lose your temper. No, do you never. get do you get angry and frustrated and all that other stuff quietly behind closed doors? Um, do I get angry? Sorry. Get closed door. Do you edit this? Yeah. Or in the interview. Okay. Next, lock the door. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, I'm very, I don't know where I got that from, but I'm very even keeled. Um, I never lose my temper. I don't know why. We should look into that more. <laughs> it's just the way I am. But you're certainly not exhibiting any uh, psychopathic like no. uh, tendencies because you. No. You seem to have a, a, a range of positive emotions. You seem to be exuding a, uh, yeah, a no, positive, I'm not, lovable energy. I don't, I'm not, I don't think I'm depressed. Um, I don't have suicidal thoughts. I'm just, I don't know, I'm very focused on growth and like growing as a person myself and growing my businesses um, and building relationships with people. Um, that's what I'm focused on. So... Do you have any? So I, I think I think like 
um, anything that throws off, throws me off. Anything, like if I lose my temper, I know that'll like throw off my balance. Like I know I gotta, in order to run six businesses, I just gotta be as calm and collected as possible. And I have to expect things will go wrong every single day, like a million things. And I can't get excited over it. I just gotta roll with it. That's the goal. Jeez, it seems like you've you've mastered that. I'm, I'm, yeah, I think to a fault, because like you can also be too too like cool and collected, you know. Like like if like two years ago our liquor license expired, right? You have to renew it every two years, and like two years ago, like you can't order liquor if you don't have a liquor license. I'm like, it's cool. Like we'll figure it out, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I I. I strive for that. I'm, I'm getting there as fully and completely as I want, but I have moments uh, where that's not the case. Um, but I, 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 I'm, I'm aware of, okay, so don't, you know, you don't have to flip out. I think it's helped and hurt me at the same time. Has it hurt? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, again, the liquor license, like it hurts you. Cause like, you know, um, you know, when you can't order liquor from a distributor, you need to get like a liquor store, which is illegal and the prices are much higher, you know? So, you know, that, that's where it hurts me. You, um, but, with, I, don't, but I don't lose my yeah, cool yeah. over it. And you, you do have the other range of emotion where if there's a huge Jack, a huge, a huge Jackman, uh, yeah. or somebody coming in, you, do you show excitement or feel excitement? I feel excitement. I don't show it. Yeah. Show it. Yeah, I'm getting that. Yeah, but you um, feel it. You're like, oh, that's I feel. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So you I celebrate feel. personally a little bit? No, you don't. I feel. I feel more than I show. Like, um, you, Jackman. You know, I mean, that was awesome. That was that was like a great experience. Um. But then, yeah, like people will come over to me all the time after that. Like, oh, I saw you, Jackman, was here. And like, like, yeah, it was pretty cool. You know, I don't really show that I get excited over it. Talk to me about fear. Are you scared of anything? Do you not necessarily worry, but do you, are you, is there any fear? Or you, do you just get an idea and you're like, this, this is going to be pursued and now I'm going to take the steps. Let's go. Um... I think as I'm getting older, I have less and less fear. Tell me a time where you were you were confronted the face of fear and you were like, oh, I'm going forward. I'm going fully into this. Um, I mean, every day things happen here where I should be like fearful, you know, um, like, well, like, while we're a good example, while we're talking, that's why like I got a little distracted. Um, you know, Faison Law's manager texts me, right? Just like confirming something about him coming tonight. And I didn't respond for the past 40 minutes because we're talking. And then I just saw he shot me over like three question marks, you know? Like, why aren't you answering me? <laughs> um, I think in the past, I would have been like, I don't know if like fear is the right word, but, you know... I guess fear is the right word. Like I, don't, like, I don't know what's the right word for that. Like, if someone, 
um, if, if you owe someone money, right, and they're trying to collect from you and they text you and they call you and you avoid their call, how, what's that feeling? Yeah. Tuesday? Is that fear? But is that, is that fear? Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah? Uh, yeah. Um, so there's a lot of, like, that, like, people expect certain things. And then I need to, like, avoid them, like with this dude right now. Um, and he threw me three question marks, which is, like, overreacting a bit. Like, and now you have a decision of how to process that yeah. and how to feel about that. Yeah, so I think in the past, like, I would probably just, like, like oh, I got to please him and, like, respond right away. There you go. Um, but now I think I'm getting better at just, like, I'll handle the situation um, not how they expect it to be handled, but as long as I attack it from like a good place. So right now you feel comfortable with the yeah. time delay. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. said that in the past. It's not like yeah. like it's not my. I used to think it was like my issue and my problem that like I'm not being responsive, right? Um, but now I'm turning it around, like. And thinking he needs to relax, and hopefully doesn't hear this because <laughs> Faison loves never coming back. Um, I think I think as long as I handle the situation professionally, like I'm good. Like people, like when people get upset over things, it's how you react to it. I think that's that's important. And we live in an age where everybody has uh, their level of self-importance. And, um, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I'm getting better at that. Like for many years, I, I think I lived in fear. Like, oh, someone texted me, someone called me, uh, someone is expecting this from me. And like, it's gotta be like, people can't do things like instantly, you know, you gotta, and if someone loses their temper, it doesn't mean I have to, you know, and I don't have to like, Fight them. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah. Are you spiritual or religious in any ways? Um, I mean, so we're, we're, my family's pretty Jewish. Like, we go to synagogue every Saturday. We have, um, so someone just called me twice, the same person, and I used to, like, think, oh, what is this? Is it an, is an emergency, right? Um, now, I'm, I'm like, I don't care. It's like Gabe, my business partner, um, whenever I call him, this is funny, whenever I call him, he's not involved so much like day to day. He's here a lot at night and he's very involved with the comics, but he's not involved day to day. So when I call him during the day, the first thing he says, everything okay? Like, what's wrong? <laughs> that's Gabe. Um, maybe that's one of the reasons I'm, <laughs> I used to live in fear. Like he thinks everything's like the end of the world, you know? So I think I've done I've done good at just attacking situations, handling situations better. So um, back to the um, spiritual yeah. or religious. Um, again, we go to. I'm not so spiritual. No religious. I mean, again, we're a Sabbath observer. Like I have Friday night dinner with my family. We go to synagogue every every Saturday. You turn off. Yeah, unless when my wife's not looking, I'll uh, 
I'll call my phone. But no, I'm is that true? No. I'm joking, but Billy, you do turn Billy, off. I would never do that. Oh, yeah. If you're listening, <laughs> um, yeah, I turn off. Yeah. So that's interesting because that's possible. Then in your position, that's possible. Yeah. And really, come on, it should be possible in anybody's position for whatever reason if they want to, right? Yeah. I mean, this club's been running 33 years, so. Yeah, we have we have the right people in place. Yeah, that how can, important is that? That yeah. can run it. Um, but not. I don't think about. Again, I'm like so focused on like just everyday like life, and you know, taking the kids to school like logistics. Every day is just like taking the kids to school and going to work, and you know, just taking care of stuff. Like I haven't found a lot of time for balance and spirituality. Mm. What time do you get up in the morning? Like 7 to 7.30. Is that right? You think this is the greatest city in the world, New York? Um, yeah, definitely. It's the only place for you? I love California. I can, I can see myself living there. Mm. Yeah. In, in, yeah, California and New York. What is it, the energy? Um, I think it's the energy. It's 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 the ambition. Just so many people, um, just trying to hustle and do something with their life, where you don't really see mm. as many people in other locations doing that. You know, like I don't like to. I like to. I don't like to sit around and just you know look at people. You know, or I sit know. on the porch. Yeah. The. The handful of businesses you run, certainly we don't know where the, the podcast space will be in 20, 30, 50 years. Um, but the stand-up comedy, is that eternal? Um, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it, everyone's going to – everyone's forever is going to want to come out and see live comedy. That's not – And the profession uh, is going to be relatively – yeah, the same. yeah, yeah. Even a person with a mic. Yeah. Like, again, I, I look at it like there. Some people have podcasts to make money. Like, I, I have, I, I have my podcast to build relationships with people. Correct. So I'm not really thinking about it as a business model as much as just building my network and fueling the network. That's right. But it might lose uh, its popularity. It might. I don't really think about it because I was I was in a I was in the telecom business yeah. and we we did wholesale long distance minutes, you know where people pay for long distance phone calls, mm-hmm. and WhatsApp and Skype like really killed that business. And I was in the business for twelve years, and every conference, every telecom conference that I went to, like everyone would say, "Hey, like how long do you give this industry? Like six months, a year?" And we did that for like twelve years straight, and it's still a big industry and ton of people still in it and they're still standing around asking that question like like when when is the industry gonna die so i think i'm just like done talking about that um yeah i don't think about i don't think i don't think about podcasting like that or like i wonder like how long this industry will last for i did that i did that too much with telecom (laughs) yeah and now you have the the safety of the club to really yeah I'm trying, I'm trying to diversify also yeah so you know with podcasts and education and the, yeah, our, that's, our agency that's, that's multiple genius, yeah. revenue streams which they say every successful entrepreneur needs 
and you've got that. So wrapping this up, looking back on what we've spoken about today, um, and for the person listening, taking notes, what do you say is the next step for them? What should they really come away with and take away from this? What's their next move? Um, just, just constantly um, build your network. Um, but before that, like adding value, um, asking people how you can be helpful to them. I don't, you know, I think more, I think more people should ask that question. Like, how can I help you instead of trying to sell? Like, how can you help that person that you meet? Um, and then I think that builds trust with people. Um, I mean, that's how it builds relationships with you know, musicians and, act, and actors, like, like, like famous people, like athletes, um, by having that mentality, like, how can I help you? It's not like me wanting something from Dennis Quaid, who's on my podcast, you know? It's Dennis Quaid, like, he's in a band. I'm like, when you're in New York, come to the club, like, do a show, you know? Like, we'd love for you to stop by. And they're like, oh, dude, like, thanks so much. We'd love that. I'm not, like, asking him for anything. I'm offering something that I have. So I think coming from that angle of just always asking people how you can help them, I think that's it. It seems so logical, yet I think everybody's fear, concern. Everyone's like selling. Everyone anxiety. Wants to sell. Yeah. Right. Everyone wants to sell. I feel like everybody thinks time is running out. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone just wants to sell and hustle and be aggressive. Like when, now, like I want the result now. Like yeah. give me the money now. Let's do this thing now. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's short term. Of course. So, well, you know, I, I think long term and again, just building relationships with good people and seeing how I can be helpful. And I think at the end of the day, it'll come back to you. Clearly, if that's not the summation of everything. Wow. I will leave you with this final question. Donnie Zoldan, how would you like to be remembered? Um, just being accessible and available and, like, responsive to people. Um, you know, like, like, I guess people are surprised when they contact me. How, like, a, a few weeks ago, someone approached me with um, an idea for, like, a comedy documentary. Uh, a comic introduced me to like the director and um, she wanted to meet with me. I'm like, yeah, sure. Like we met here at the club and I just offered to make introductions. Like I'll introduce you to this comic and that comic and this agent and Netflix and this and that. And she was like skeptical how like nice I was and how I offered to open up my network to her. Um, so I guess that's how... I want to be remembered just just as being helpful to people. Beautiful, man. Absolutely beautiful. This has been a gift. I want to thank you, Donnie. Thanks for, for having me. All of this. And I want man. to thank Max for being here. I no I, it's my sidekick. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.